Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm back, folks. I'm sorry that I had to miss one. It's the first one I've ever missed. But we're back here on the Networth Podcast. Today, talking about the National Basketball Association. And joining me, as always, our basketball correspondent from the other side of the United States, from what I assume is sunny Sacramento. How's it going, Spread? Good. We're a little rainy today, but I'm glad to have you back. Boy, the the hosting was fun, but uh, definitely don't have the smooth professional sound that you provide. So I'm glad to be back in the analyst chair, and I'll, and I'll let you go ahead and steer our ship. Well, that's very sweet of you, and it's nice to hear some kind words as I watch my Sixers who were up, or I think it was eight or so points after the first quarter. They're down by 16 now with six minutes left against the Heat. Something I think I've worried about definitely in our chat and possibly openly here on the podcast. I'm terrified of the idea of playing this Heat team in this first or second round. This is gonna. This is a mess. And they yeah, really did such a good job of matching up and, and spreading the Sixers out and really just making their life tough. Yeah, they're a real athletic team defensively out on the wing, and I don't think Simmons gets the, uh, you know, gets the same advantage that he does against other teams. And then if the Heat are able to make baskets like they are tonight and Simmons can't get out in transition, it kind of limits his effectiveness. It really does. I actually like the way Simmons was playing tonight. He was aggressive. He was attacking the hoop. He seemed to be going after Jimmy Butler. Joel mm-hmm. Embiid, for whatever reason, is still playing at half speed. He's not fighting for position. He's not using his size physically. I, we were talking in the pre, pre-show pre here a little bit. Bam Adebayo basically pushed him about four or five feet with just one arm. That should never happen. It's... This is hard so to what's watch. the deal? Does 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 Shaq and Kenny need to talk shit about him every night? Uh, sounds like need? it. I, <laughs> I really don't know. I heard today that he's he'd been interviewed and he's talking about you know just really focusing on trying to be in the best shape he can be in for the playoffs. And I think maybe he is holding a little bit back every night, but I'd rather just see him play in in shorter, more powerful bursts than you know try to basically play at half speed the whole time. It's hard to watch. Yeah, you know, it's funny as in the old NBA, too, you know how they talk about load management and and things of that nature. I remember watching it, and a lot of times those guys did their load management on the court, and I think we're seeing kind of some of that tonight or this season with Embiid. I know, and I saw the same interview, too, and he basically just said he was he was sick and his knee was broken down by the time the playoffs came, and he doesn't want to be in that situation again because uh, as well as he played during the regular season last year, it was kind of all forgotten um, when that doink doink shop dropped in one of the things that i always bristle at a little bit and push back against some of the older guys who talk about quote how the nba used to be better it was easier to hide on defense and to take plays off there was less talent on the offensive end of the floor there was less spreading of the floor out you know you could kind of stand close to the basket stand still watch the ball a little bit not have to move as much i think it was easier to get a little break off now the game was more physical so you know you're taking more of a beating but either way i I don't really care about all that and load management and all that stuff regardless of how you feel about it i think when you're playing you got to play hard it's it's just an attitude Uh, i was listening to the bill simmons podcast and kevin garnett talking about his attitude and just you know basically his he's just a killer he's out there doing his absolute best all the time and if you want to take games off take games off if you're playing you need to play you need to play hard um, I had a rugby coach in college who used to talk about that all the time. Are you hurt or are you injured? Because if you're hurt, I need you to play through it. I need you to get over it and stop whining about it. If you're injured, you're going to sit out. But if you're playing, you're playing, and I don't need to hear anything about it. We're not playing 50%, 75%, none of that crap. If you're playing, you're playing. So I, I'd like to see a little more of that. Yeah, and it's an interesting uh, evolution of the league is one of the players credited league pass for that and he said that you know back in the you know, 70s and 80s they knew if they were in phoenix or you know a town you know against the losing team no one was going to see the game except for the people in that city and you know the people in the arena whereas now you know if you're kind of loafing around and you get dunked on or you get embarrassed you, it's going to go viral so there's more incentive for the players to always give 100 percent on the floor because uh, if you're embarrassed, you know, worldwide Wobe's going to catch you, and then everyone's going to be favoring and laughing. You're absolutely right about that. It's got to be tough. That's why I'm so impressed with players that do go up, try to block baskets. Not to start the first five, ten minutes of the podcast here where Sixers talk, but have you seen this uh, <laughs> Noel uh, no- Powell guy? Oh, the new guy you guys got, your super sub? Yeah, just... Yeah. Oh, my God. He's just like a jumping bean. He's amazing. He gets up so fast. And his timing is really great, too. You can see him really watching the shooter, watching their eyes, and figuring out when the ball's going to release. And he jumps at just the right time. 
And, you know, he's gotten dunked on once or twice already, but he's blocked a few dunks himself. So I, I wish that there were more players that would be more aggressive like that and be less embarrassed. I mean, you get dunked on. It happens sometimes. You're playing basketball. I mean, if you're out there trying defensively, you're going to get dunked on. Jalen Rose always talks about how he didn't get dunked on, and you think about the career he had defensively. Um, yeah. I don't think it necessarily bodes well if you played in the NBA that long, especially as a big man and, and never got dunked on. That means you weren't trying to make Well, Jalen Rose is a point guard. Right. It's 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 true. I'm kind of mixing metaphors a little bit, but <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, it's especially, again, if you're a big guy or even a player in general, you got to be out there trying, and that means sometimes you get dunked on. Deal with it. Yeah, I think NBA Twitter – thinks being dunked on is a big deal, but I think the NBA players themselves are much more embarrassed by getting their shot blocked than they are getting dunked on. Ugh, what happened to Tobias Harris, Brad? Wasn't he a good shooter? Yeah, I think so. I mean... It's just gone. It's lost. Oh, you're way ahead of me. I just too much time with Ben Simmons. I, <laughs> I kind of knew that he was going to get the ball and miss it there. Uh, one oh. other thing on our dunked on conversation. Um, yesterday, did you see the uh, Oubre over Paul George? I did. And see, I think that's another one where it's like I, I had, I don't think like, oh, Paul George in the cemetery or whatever, like Wobe likes to do. It was like, dude, he rotated. He didn't need to rotate. That wasn't his man. He rotated in an attempt to make, an attempt to make a block, and it didn't work. But I had more respect for Paul George than I was like, oh, he got his career ended or, oh, you know, all these, uh, the hyperbole that NBA Twitter loves, so. That was a great highlight. But like I said, I you know, Ubre obviously you give him his respect, but I had more respect for Paul George on the fact that he had a crisp rotation and just, just wasn't able to get the, the contest. But I like to see my players rotating. I I don't like when I see guys not rotating on purpose so they don't end up getting uh messed with by Rob Perez. All right, let's jump into kind of some high-level topics. We always like to check on some things throughout the week, share with you our thoughts on some big news, maybe some things that have been popping up in some of our little side chats here. The first thing and the biggest news from the last week or so, Luka Doncic injured. Looks like he's out for at least a couple of weeks. I saw today they took his boot off. He had an ankle injury. Um, it's going to be a pretty tough stretch for the Mavericks. What do you, how will you be handicapping Mavericks games you know, the next couple of weeks until he gets back? All right, so I got Boston tonight on the idea of that basically the the you know superstar subtraction in game one you go for him. I actually didn't play that game; I laid off. I was so sorry. Worried. I was going to have you talk about that maybe a little bit later, but why don't you get into that a little more? Why don't you explain to us by what you mean by superstar subtraction? Because this is a great little theory that you've come up with, and I think you got to try to copyright this. So why don't you slow down here and break it down for the fans a little bit? What do you mean by superstar subtraction? All right. Well, superstar subtraction is the idea that the first game that a superstar is missing that has the highest usage on his team, that the rest of the team will be excited about their opportunities and their increased usage and that they will perform above what we would consider to be their mean. They will perform better than their average or what we'd expect of them. And that's due to the excitement of the increased usage and um, kind of refilling the pecking order and who's going to get the shots while the superstar is out. Um, unfortunately, in the second game, they seem to regress a lot worse. So the idea, handicapping-wise, what we're going to do is the first game that the superstar is out, we are going to bet on the team, take the increased points that the uh, lines maker will move. Like in Lucas' case, he's probably worth three or four points, so we're getting an extra three or four points. We're going to take them. And then in the second game, uh, when the... The team's kind of getting fatigued because they'll have to play a little more than usual, and maybe the excitement's kind of worn off. They tend to perform less uh, than they usually do, so we're going to uh, fade them in the second game. Okay, so it's now, I don't know, you, I know you keep pretty decent track of your picks and stuff, and you might not have it in front of you, but can you remember a couple of examples of how that has worked out so far this year? I'm trying to think of some of the bigger injuries we've had. Um, you know, obviously Luka Doncic again misses his first game the other night, and the Mavericks actually beat the Bucks outright. I believe um, they won that game outright, didn't they? Yeah, that's right. They broke the the win streak. You know, I I, I can't remember what their odds were, but they had to be huge underdogs there. So now right. tonight they come back second game with Doncic. You know, maybe the market settles a little bit on kind of that injury, and you get a little bit of a more fair number. Um, so you are on the Celtics tonight. Um, anything that you saw about that matchup, or is that simply just you playing out this theory? Um, that and the 
I think the Celtics are so much better on the perimeter. I think that without uh, Doncic, they're going to have problems um, keeping up scoring-wise. And I think the Celtics have an advantage on the perimeter in almost every position when they're matching up with their closing five. I agree, too. I like the Celtics a lot in that matchup. And I wonder you know, how Dallas is going to be able to maintain scoring. I mean, Hardaway Jr. is going to see his usage go up. They're going to need a lot out of Porzingis. And it's actually a pretty good matchup. We know we talk about the Celtics' lack of depth at center, but Porzingis isn't really a big post-up player. And I think guys like Theus and Williams, if he's healthy, apologies, I don't know his actual status, but those guys have a chance to stay in front of him and maybe do a little bit better than they would against a more traditional big man. Yeah. Uh, on the superstar subtraction, too, I can think off the top of my head when the game that Giannis mixed, missed, right? Milwaukee got a blowout that yes, night. Yes, that was great. That was, that's and a great example. The game that Embiid missed, didn't Simmons just take over and didn't they win in a big blowout, too? That's true. And you could do basically the entire last three weeks of the Nets. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, it is. that's got a little more uh, complexity to it, but yes. So it's a great little theory. I like that a lot. Uh, we'll try to do a little better job tracking that going forward. You ha- I think you have had some success. We'll have to ask our buddy Lockie Lockerson. I think he's been paying attention to it, maybe even closer than we are. But, oh my gosh, spread Sixers cut it down to four here with only two minutes left. We'll see oh, if you're so exciting. far ahead of me. Ben Simmons hasn't even picked up the ball on my feet. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, nice shot. It's going to be right. great. Got to love that local broadcast. All right. Luka Doncic, he's out for a couple weeks. Again, you know, superstar subtraction. So we know how you're going to go for the first two games here. But in general, what do you think of the Mavericks for the next two weeks? Do you think they can remain competitive? Or is this going to be pretty tough sledding for them? You know, I actually think they can remain competitive. I just think that Boston in particular is a bad matchup. I don't know if I, you know, would necessarily... I'm not betting this thing blind. I don't know if I would necessarily do it in, in a different matchup. And I really think that Dallas has this year has kind of shown that they have a nice group of role players there to all step in. And I think the key to this whole thing is going to be poor Zingas. Can he step back into that number one role and how will he do um, with the increased usage? So um, I'm actually not down on Dallas. I might be looking to back them in certain spots, but it's going to be with the idea that I'm going to get the, the th- uh, extra three or four points that they, that they wouldn't be getting if, if Donkic was playing. I think the team is deep. There's a lot of talent there in the roster. What concerns me is, though, he is really the straw that stirs the drink, if you will. He's the initiator. Mm-hmm. He he builds all the opportunities for everybody else. Um, I wonder who's going to try to take over that role. Uh, is that Seth Curry's job? Does he step into kind of the point guard role and try to take the ball down the floor and be creative? I so DeLon Wright has do been doing the majority of yeah, it. Yeah, DeLon seems. Wright's going to do some of that. Does J.J. Barea even still play? Um, yeah, but not much. He's still, even with Donkic out, he's only playing like 10 minutes. So that's that's what will be interesting to see what the Mavericks can do. And maybe this is good for them long term. They have an opportunity to build a little bit of a second offense and figure out what they can do without Luke on the floor. Because long term, and long term for the season even really, once they get into the later parts of the season and teams have more tape and figure out how to defend him, especially if they make the playoffs that first round, it's going to be tough. So maybe this gives them an opportunity to identify a second initiator and, and build the team a little more. There is always a silver lining spread. Right, and you know who's really going to have to step up? If Dal- if we're going to be successful back in Dallas while Luke is out, it's yeah. got to be Tim Hardaway Jr. Tim Hardaway Jr. has done well in the number three role, and I think the number three role is a lot easier than the number two, but this is an opportunity to step up and uh, – maybe continue his improvement because I think he's done fairly well in Dallas so far after being what was kind of considered like a throwaway or they were trying to get off his salary when New York got rid of, got rid of him. Absolutely. So that'll be fun to watch. We'll see how that goes. Obviously we miss Luka Doncic um, or Doncic, however you actually say it, to be honest, I, I have no idea. Now, selfishly, I'm pretty glad here. I have a Luka to win most improved player award, and I think uh, maybe a couple weeks off will help Giannis really grab hold of the MVP, and he gets to push down to that award. So selfishly, not all is lost here. Yeah, speaking of all is lost, I might lose this, this Wizards game after them being up by a ton. It's 96-96 right now. Oh, man. That's a rough one. I was already counting that one as a win. It's tough. It's a tough game. I mean, you're gonna. You really decided you have. You know, all these games tonight, and you decide to lay out money on a Wizards Bulls game spread. Come on. <laughs> now that's how I do it. Oh man. All right. Let's jump into the next topic here. Now this is a little debate that arised in our NBA chat. Our buddy, we call him Duel, but his main handle you can find him at underscore Sports Stock, a fellow underscore spread. We always love that here. Um, 
Duel, our buddy, was talking about Zion Williamson and posited the idea that maybe now is the time for the New Orleans Pelicans to trade Zion Williamson. What do you think of that idea? I, I, I don't think that, I mean, what are you going to get for him? Who's trading for him? That's a great question. I mean, he was just the number one pick in the draft. We heard all summer about how he could be one of the more elite players. He's one of the better, safest, most blah, blah, blah. You know, all the good hyperbole stuff that you hear around draft time about the number one pick every year, regardless of how actual good they are. So I think you could get, I would assume, multiple first-round picks for him. I don't know how good those picks would be. But you'd have to think some would be interested in the number one pick from just a few months ago. But if you're the Pelicans now, I mean, do you even need more picks? You have the Lakers picks coming too. So this is tough for me because, and and we'll have this discussion in just a little bit, I am not a huge believer in Zion. I think we talked about this in some of the offseason stuff. But regardless of whether or not you believe in Zion Williamson, you believe in his health, whatever you think, the New Orleans Pelicans have clearly started down a path. And I don't think that you, you you quit this early in this process. No, you can't. I mean, I can't. It's a, that's definitely like a hot take, and it's fun to discuss, like philosophically. But I don't think it's even a realistic option. No, it would be a pretty terrifying move. I think it would shake the fan base. I think it would show a lot of instability. I think a lot of the players in the team would really question the move. It's it's a pretty outrageous idea. Now you're right; it is a fun conversation. But I think the most fun part of the conversation is the second part. What do you think of Zion Williamson's spread? I know you're a lot more excited about him than I. But what do you see about his game that you like? Can you think of an, a historical player to maybe compare him to? And what do you think his ceiling is in terms of being an MVP, being an All Star, top five, ten, fifteen, twenty? Break it down for us. Okay, and this is where I know we we differ. So I think, I'm Team Zion. I think that if he stays healthy, he has the potential to be an MVP. Now, if he stays healthy is a big question because that's a big boy to be jumping that high. But let's just, for the sake of argument, assume that he stays healthy, right? Uh, When he comes in the league, he's going to be a top five, top ten athlete already. One of the biggest guys, uh, fastest guys, strongest guys, can jump out the gym. Uh, which gives him an excellent – I think he has great um, defensive instincts. I loved all the block shots in Duke. There was, those were my favorite highlights, even though the dunks were awesome. I loved his rotations on block shots. Um, and I just think this is a, a league based on athleticism, and he's got the, the tools and the skills to be uh, an MVP-style player. I think that the health is going to be what stops him and not any uh, necessarily weaknesses in his game. All right, so, you know, again, what do you think about him in terms of his prospects in the NBA? Where does he fit in the big picture? I mean, if he stays healthy, I expect him, I'd expect him to be a game-changer like Luka. So you think, think he's a he... possible MVP candidate? You think of yep. him as... Not his first year, but by his second or third year, I think he could be. Okay, so you think he could be the best player on a title team? Hmm... Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I guess if I've said all those things so far, that's basically what I've said uh, without really thinking about it. It is. And that's what I'm trying to pin down. I know that you know, in general you kind of have a little tempered excitement. You are uh, generally happy about everything. I think that's that soft, sweet life you've had on the West Coast. Yeah. But, you know, the you're generally a pretty optimistic women. guy, but I'm trying to tie you down a little bit here um, because I, I couldn't disagree more with that take. You know, all right, always, let's hear it. I want to hear People always talk about how big he is. All right, so I'm looking at his you know, draft combine measurements here. How tall is Zion Williamson? Like, what, 6'7", six, 6'8"? Six, He's only 6'7". Okay. He's 6'7". He, now, he's Jordan 285 six, pounds, which is huge. I yeah. mean, he's just, like, I guess he's built like a brick. I mean, that's right. that's dense. But he's only 6'7". You know, I, I'm having trouble finding his wingspan here. I mean, I'm sure that Jay Billis I mean, has Kawhi a, Leonard is 6'7", right? But, yeah, so he's got a 6'10 wingspan. That helps him a little bit. Right. Uh, let's see. Actually, I thought Kawhi Leonard was a little taller than that, but he's probably close. Um, LeBron's 6'8". Okay, yeah, Kawhi Leonard's 6'7", LeBron's 6'8". But, so you start to think about some of those players and what they do and what their games are like, and that's not what I see when I see Zion Williamson. I watched him in college, and... You know, he was, he's pretty fast, he's pretty athletic, but he was clearly just much bigger than everybody else, and that was his big advantage, and he would just kind of run people over. I think that he's going to struggle playing against grown men 
other people that are. But is the seven, NBA even eight, grown men anymore? I mean, how many players are under twenty three now? It isn't the and and Porzingis is one that reminds me of it. I thought the same thing about Porzingis. I said he's skinny. He's going to get eaten up until he puts some weight on his body. And I got in the league and I realized, wait a second, he's just playing against a bunch of twenty year olds. He's fine at that size. His game isn't that physical. I was just talking about that. He doesn't like to post up that much. He is a little apprehensive, but he's still even a, a big enough guy. Uh, you know, what happens the first time Zion Williamson, you know, I'm watching the Sixers Heat game here, what happens the first time he goes into the lane and runs into Joel Embiid? What happens the first time he goes in the Embiid lane and runs into Bam bio? <laughs> that was mean, Spread. I don't appreciate that. <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't think he's going to have problems drawing contact. I think that you made a better point when you were saying he was going to have problems getting around people to get to the rim. I think size and, I think size and strength, he's going to be fine. I think strength-wise, he's going to be fine. The speed of the NBA game, that will be the interesting part. I, I would actually have more, uh, I believe more your concerns about his quickness and his ability to get around uh, his perimeter defenders is more of a legitimate concern than, than how he's going to handle the physicalness of the NBA. It's not that he's not strong. It's that he goes from being clearly the strongest person and the biggest person on the floor just about every night in college to being one of the bigger, stronger guys on the floor. But doesn't that happen to, happen to most basketball stars at each level that they play? It it does. It does. But you, so you get to my like next every point college next player kind of complain about Zion Williamson. Yeah. And those guys learn and develop skills or come in with other skills. I wonder what his skills are. Um, this is another conversation we had, and it's kind of something you were talking a little bit about. I don't know if the NBA is really about physicality anymore. I think it is more of a skill league. You start to think about Steph Curry. You start to think about those Warriors teams and what they did and how they were able to succeed. And you start to think about some of the best players in the league. Again, your Currys, your Hardens, your Durants, um, Giannis, guys like that, even LeBron. Uh, now, LeBron is still obviously really physically Well, imposing. three of the five you mentioned, I'd say, are based on their physicality. Like okay, Kevin Durant, uh, Kevin Durant, LeBron, and Giannis are all based on, on their just supreme athletic gifts. Kevin Durant is almost fast as a guard, and he's seven foot. So, th- th- I mean, that's one of a big part of his advantage. Not that he wouldn't be good at six foot six, but the thing is he's a huge shooter at seven foot. That's what makes him so amazing. LeBron, of course, I mean, we're not even going to argue his athleticism. I think Design's the best athlete I've seen as a prospect since LeBron. And uh, Giannis, same way. I mean, he's just the Creek freak. He's just a physical freak. Spread, I'm sorry. I'm really distracted. Al Horford for the win. Oh, God damn it. They were down by two. Had the ball for the last possession. I think they got a foul <laughs> here. Just, I'm have to when watch you said that, he was still shooting a free throw oh, for me on my feed. Gosh. Horford wide open for the win. Simmons wouldn't go wow. to the basket for the tie. That is the story of the Philadelphia 76ers year. Ben Simmons pulling up his dribble at the free throw line. So I'm watching the, the replay right now, and I'm sure this is wonderful for everyone that's going to hear it tomorrow that's not watching this. But, yep, Simmons gets the free throw line, pulls up his dribble, kicks it out, contested three. The Sixers finally lose at home. All right. And that get, was Kendrick Nunn on him, too. It was. So again, Kendrick get, did a good job of staying in front of him. He did. He did. Again, this Heat team's pretty scary spread. They've got a lot of athletes, yeah. a lot of talent. Um, they're really versatile defensively. Bam Adebayo's been incredible. A good win for them. Uh, you know, disappointing performance for the Sixers. I think they had their chances tonight. But All right, let's try to put a bow here a little bit on the Zion talk. Uh, at the end of the day, my big concern is I don't understand what he does other than be physically impressive. And we see those guys every single year. And you're right, Kevin Do we, Durant though? Who is, do we see? I'd have to pull up who, who basically comes the in the league over looking like this. Not like this specifically. I can't remember the last time we had someone that come in that you know was this big and and this small. But you think about guys that are combine freaks that are super athletes, and they either have I think kind of your short guy Ben Simmons account. might be the most freakish athlete that's come in the leagues. If we're probably to Dwight Howard, you probably have to go back to Dwight Howard. Yeah, Dwight Howard. Yeah, that's not a bad one. But again, going back to those better players, you're right. Kevin Durant's really athletic, but uh, you know he's not super super fast. He's not. He's long. He's got a big body, but he's a skilled player. He, it's not just that he's tall; it's that he's an incredible shooter. 
Uh, he's, right. a, he's a great passer. He has great timing on the floor. Again, Curry, I, I don't think that we, you know, we have to have a big discussion about that and his high level of skill. You look at all the stuff Harden's doing. It's not because he's you know, super athletic, and he is. You know, he's an NBA yeah. player, obviously. He fits the requirements needed. But you, you watch the, just the insane level of skill it takes for him to do the things that he do, does. I think that as the NBA continues to open the game up, to take things away like the hand check, to spread players out, to make the game faster, it's, it is less about physicality. And I wonder what Zion Williamson does when somebody big enough to slow him down or to stay in front of him gets in front of him. How does he get around him? You know, it's not just speed. He needs to learn moves. He's got to develop some post game. His shot's okay. I mean, he was fine. I mean, he's the, 19 years old. Three point line, right? And he's got years and years and years to get better. But I think that it's going to be a real challenge for the first couple of years. So, um, curious to see what he can do. I think he does have the athletic talent. We'll see what his drives like. We'll see if he can grow his game and come in and learn a lot and you know spend a lot of time with JJ Redick. Hopefully, learning how to shoot and stuff. But I do worry about his skill. All right. Well, this will be one that we'll be obviously be visiting often because I can see this being a continued debate till he gets out on the floor and either dominates think, or or do you fails. Think the Pelicans are going to give him the Philadelphia red shirt. You think we're going to see Zion this year? Yeah, we, he might. It seems it seems less and less likely as the day goes on. All right, Spread. The other thing we wanted to talk about there was an interesting tweet that got shared in one of our chats asking, um, you know, Trey Young mm. obviously insanely talented offensively but a lot of concerns in the defensive end, not just his size, but um, you know, maybe his effort, definitely his, his skill. and um, you know, it's, He's just a little behind on the mental game. You watch him, he doesn't rotate the way that he should. He doesn't get in the right spots. Um, he definitely gets outsmarted by some of the veteran players. And you know, again, from a size perspective, it can be tough from him. So is that a hugely limiting factor? Is that going to keep him from being... You know, I don't think that we consider him maybe a future MVP someday, but he is a pretty great player. Does that keep him from having the chance to be, you know, maybe the sec- even the second best player on a championship team? Oh, no, not at all. So I'm looking at, at point guards, and I can, I can think of a lot of point guards that are defensive liabilities. I think uh, Westbrook had great success being what basically a defensive liability. Harden's had great success being a defensive liability. I'm watching the Wizards right now. Isaiah Thomas was able to be a success with the Celtics as a huge defensive liability. Uh, I think that you can get away with not having the best point guard. Even Kemba Walker on the Celtics I don't think is is that good a defender. And I think that you can win um, with a defensively uh, a defensive liability at point guard if you know how to hide him. And his offense is so good that it completely makes up for it. And I think that Trey Young uh, meets that mold. In some other examples, you even missed there, Steph Curry, Dame Lillard. Yeah. As, you, as you go through the list of point guards, it's hard to even find a good defensive point guard, really, especially one with that much offensive talent. And you're right, this is the time and, and the right place for players like that. If you can be a positive offensively, there's ways defensively where they can find you know, players to put you on, players to cover up for you. I think that's why the Hawks have been so bad without John Collins. I think that he right. really covers up a lot on the defensive end. He's pretty fantastic on the defensive end protecting the rim now i heard a little clink there what do we got tonight spread oh whiskey ginger every night since you since you told me (laughs) i'm glad to have affected your life in that way (laughs) yeah all right so trey young and the last thing here spread i'm not even sure why i wrote this down um davis burton's i'm watching him he's stroking threes right now for me in washington Oh, man. <laughs> he has been just absolutely red hot. Let me see here. I have his game log pulled up. Um, you know, I, I used to be a big follower of the three pointers here, and he was an interesting player. Won a little bit of money before I had to, you know, kind of ran out of time to update that. But let's look at some of these games here. Um, November 17th at Orlando, 5 for 11. Home for Charlotte, 6 for 11. Now, these next five games were all in a row. 4 for 12, 7 for 13, 5 for 13, 6 for 12, 8 for 12, 8 for 12 spread. He shot 12 <laughs> three-pointers and made eight of them. <laughs> uh, my gosh, spread. What do we do? Is he the best player in the NBA now? I mean, how do defenses defend Davis Burtons? What can we do? Is this it? Are we done? Is it time to get Wizards futures? Maybe two years from now. They're still so <laughs> bad defensively. <laughs> 
It's tough. I mean, so what do you th- what do you think about Burton? Zoe? is is he the kind of player that Wizards should be looking to invest in to hold on to, looking at maybe an extension, or is now the time to start hunting first round picks to be the first guys out there in the market trolling and trying to take advantage of some of these teams and, and see what you can get for Davis? You know, what, what do you think of, think about him? Is is now the time to sell? Is this the high point, or is this the beginning of uh, something that's going to be a thing? You know, that's a great question. That is a great question. So, obviously, Washington has no playoff chance this year. Um, like we said, they can't defend at all. Um, but the thing is, if you trade them for a first-round pick, obviously no one that is a bad or lottery-bound team is going to trade for them. So, it's going to be a, a pick probably between like 18 and 30. Um, do you give up on what is basically the best uh, three-point shooter in the NBA for, for a late first-round pick? What do you think? He's 27 years old, spread, and it looks like he's a free agent next year. I think right. now is the time to move on, unless you're willing to commit a huge amount of money to, again, a, a 27-year-old who, uh, I'm going to be honest, he's 27 years old. I don't really remember a whole lot about Mr. Burton's. I, I think he was a San Antonio Spur yeah, he was at, a Spur. at some point. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, yeah, for about three years there. Look at that. Yeah. And, uh, and I guess they didn't think enough of him to hold on to him, and that's, you know, I know Greg Popovich is – seemingly taken the last few years off but even then you would think somebody in that organization would know to hold on to him i don't i think now's the time i'm ready to sell on davis burton so who should who should be the buyer where do you see him going to help a contributing team you got to think any contender looking for a little bit of shooting at this point but um, what contender isn't looking for shooting right that's exactly what i mean like that's that's what he brings the ability to stretch the floor he's yeah. not great defensively but he's certainly not a huge negative so you would think any team would be kind of just knocking on the door, tossing offers around there. I mean, I, I don't know if he, say, for example, fits on my Sixers. I don't know if we need another tall body here um, that struggles to create for himself on offense. But what the hell, let's, you know, put something together, toss it over there, see if we can put together a late first-round pick, something, you know, toss a bunch of protections on it. Um, you look at the Bucks; they could always use another shooter. Um, oh, that's a nice one. It's, you just you know keep putting shooting out there. Make the floor as big as you can for Giannis. Yeah. You start to look at stuff like that. The Magic, I think they could use a little bit of shooting, but I don't know if they have the roster you could. They really also really have want. the log jam in his position that would prevent their development. I don't know if the Rockets could put anything together for him, but I mean he's just a better version of Ooh. Ryan Anderson, isn't he? Much better at this point in his career. Dude, Ryan Anderson used to kill me. I remember I used to bet against him all the time when he was on the Pelicans. He'd always have the best games when I bet against him. Got that big contract, and Lord only knows he's a local he guy. He's from around here. Either the LA team, so I think there is definitely some offers to be had from some of these teams. You know, he does what seems to be the most important thing very, very, very well spread. So if I'm the Wizards, it's time to start shopping a little. All right. Well, let's keep an eye on that because uh, I hadn't thought about him as a as a trade guy, um, but you bring up a good point. There's you just named six contenders that would all be glad to have him. All right, spread. Let's do a little touch base here on how teams are going i always like doing these quizzes with you who has the yep. best net rating so far mm, let's see is it los angeles lakers still it is not they are actually let me see here 3.7 points behind the number one team then the number one team is milwaukee it is with a net rating of 12.4 the lakers only 8.7 mavericks mm. at 8.6 clippers at 7.1 celtics at 6.8 and then everybody else kind of falls down by there um now who has the worst net rating i'll give you a hint it's not the knicks really it's the cavaliers not the knicks it is the cavaliers of cleveland at negative 10.4 you got the warriors and hawks there at negative 9.7 the knickerbockers at 8.7 uh pels at minus seven then everybody else kind of in that six five four range there uh, so just to give you an idea, kind of some of the hot and, and cold teams so far, I don't think a lot of surprises there other than Atlanta. Um, I thought during the offseason we felt a little more optimistic about Atlanta. I think that... Well, they did lose their second best player and their best defender. They did. So, That's a big loss for them. And I think maybe we yeah. underestimated how much better the East was in general. I thought there'd maybe be a little more easy games. I mean, even teams like Charlotte are being a little more competitive. Again, not that their net right. is fantastic. But no, that's actually a good point, right? Two of the teams that I wrote as easy wins... Um, and Charlotte and Washington have turned out to be, um, even if they aren't uh, winning, they put up good games and, and they're giving good effort every night. Now, who has the best offensive rating? Mm, 
I assume Milwaukee still. The Mavericks of Dallas. Milwaukee's number two. Wow. Rockets number three. Yeah, Luka's, I mean, obviously that'll fall off over the next few weeks. We'll see if they can hold on to that or reclaim it. Now, this is pretty interesting. Who has the worst offensive rating? Again, not the Knicks. Pelicans? The Warriors spread. <laughs> That's pretty funny. It's amazing. What a year off. How the turntables, right? I know. It's, it's pretty fantastic. 2019-2020, the Warriors went on vacation. All right, let's look at defensive ratings here. This is interesting. That is not the name I expected to see. Who's got the best defensive rating? Is it Lakers still? No, it's the Bucks. No way. I'm seeing a defensive rating of 102, so unless the NBA stats web page is wrong, it's the Bucks. No, I will go with their stat page. Now, who has the worst defensive rating? Again, not the Knicks. The Warriors? No, the Wizards. The Warriors oh. moving up. That's why I have stopped betting team totals against the Warriors. That was a lot of fun oh, for because about 20 you games. you mentioned that, that you thought that Kerr was slowing down just to get himself off that list, right? I think he was. They, they seem to have slowed the pace down a lot. I, I mean, at the end of the day, it makes sense. If you're a bad team, you want less possessions. One of the reasons that the best teams win in the NBA is there's a lot of possessions in the game, so there's a bigger sample yeah. size, and over that larger sample size, the better team wins. It happens over seven-game right. series. So, uh, you know, one of the reasons you see upsets in college, and this is something I talk a lot about when I talk about the NBA versus college. Now, college is designed to be a closer game, and they do it a lot of different ways. You have a longer shot clock, which leads to less possessions. Less possessions mm-hmm. means less of a sample size, and those teams that aren't as good have a chance to control the game a little bit more, and I think maybe that's what the Warriors are trying to do. Um, now, from a Good standing point. standpoint, let's see who's in the lead now for the number one pick next year. I guess the most lottery balls. It is, in fact, the Warriors spread. They have the worst record at 5-23. and 23. You get the Hawks and the Pelicans, the Knickerbockers and the Cavs and the Wizards all kind of hanging around there in the bottom tier. Then a bunch of teams in the 10-win 10, 10 range space. So we'll see how that goes. It seems, again, like the Warriors are definitely taking the year off. What a really interesting team they're going to be next year. You know, if they get a top three pick, even the number one pick. So you have a young player, healthy Clay, healthy Curry, healthy Draymond, whatever you can do with D'Angelo Russell. That'll be a really interesting year next year, don't you think? Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting to see if they hold on to that number one pick and start thinking towards the future or if they just package them with D'Angelo for a player that's ready to go right now. Absolutely. All right, let's take a look. It's Thursday night tomorrow. We've got four games. Unfortunately, we only have lines for three, but let's try to break those three games down. And we'll start with a barn burner spread, the Utah Jazz visiting Atlanta. I'm sure it's a big strip club night. I know Rudy Gobert and and Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell and Bogdanovich and all those guys, Joe Ingles, probably out there at Magic City having a great time. What do you think? Yeah, most likely. I wonder how much of a good time Conley will have with his re-aggravated hamstring. Hopefully he doesn't have to sit that one out and he can waste tons of money in Atlanta. Let me refresh things here a little bit. The line I've got pulled up on SBR is a little goofy. They're showing Atlanta minus one plus 154. No, it's plus six. Yeah, I don't know. should be Atlanta plus six. Yeah, SBR for some reason is showing an alternate line. So let me actually just pull up Pinnacle here and grab the real odds. I'm going to refresh it right now. I had actually had it up on, on my phone. All right. So, yeah, tomorrow, look in the Hawks. You're right. They're plus six at home. Obviously, the Jazz visiting. Um, don't believe either team played tonight. Um, so, mm-hmm. nothing too much from a travel or a fatigue spot here. So, what are your initial reactions to that line? I hate it. I don't want to bet this game. The only angle I like here, the total is 224. Boy, that looks high. Why Why are we to believe that there's going to be a ton of points scored in this game? I mean, 224, that seems like Because Atlanta's really so bad number. defensively. Is, is Utah good enough offensively to take advantage of that? They might be. They have shooters, and they I think they play better without Mitchell in the game. You know, I'm looking again at those offensive ratings we just went through. I mean, without Conley. With Mitchell as the primary bell hunter. I'm sorry. So that's interesting. Let me take a look at the injury. I know long-term they need Conley back, but I don't think that he had integrated himself that well, and I think that they're more comfortable with Mitchell as a primary ball handler like they ran last year most of the time. And uh, I think he's smart enough against the uh, Warriors. They did a weird thing where they were doing that high double team um, almost like they would against Harden, and he was finding the open guy almost every time. It was like he would hit Ingles, and then Ingles would just find the open guy. 
they they were killing that trap with ease. Uh, I like I like the Jazz with the as the primary ball handler, but I don't want to lay six on the road in an obvious uh, look ahead, no motivation spot. Um, but I don't want to back Atlanta either. So now this isn't a superstar subtraction spot, is it? With who? Conley? Yeah, with Conley. No, he's like what the third best player on the team. I mean, I'd say is... Mitchell would be the one that that would be the subtraction. So maybe and plus, he's Mitchell been out props. for a little while, so it wouldn't even really apply. That's true. All right, so I'm still looking at that under. That's just, I mean, from an offensive rating standpoint, you know, again, um, you know, Utah 22nd in offensive rating, the Hawks 26 in offensive rating, both below 105. From that perspective, looking at the defensive ratings here, Utah has not you know, risen the way we thought they'd be. They're 10th, the Hawks 27th. So to your point, the Hawks pretty bad defensively. But it's not like the Utah has been great offensively. So it would have to be a big night. I'm going to look at that under there. All right. Well, I just lost my Washington game, damn it. <laughs> That's what you get. That's what you get for betting on a Bulls-Wizards game. For betting the worst game on the board. <laughs> All right. So you're not going to join me on the under? Um, no, I'll let you have fun with that one. I'm going to completely stay away from that game. All right. Next up, we've got the Nets visiting San Antonio. Spurs, a small favorite at home, minus 2.5. I'm seeing minus 108. Now, last year's spread, we would be all over the Spurs as a small favorite. What a sad state of affairs it is that uh, I don't think we're going to be doing that. I don't know. I, I don't feel great about that. How do you feel? No, I don't. I don't feel good about this game at all. I actually would like Brooklyn here just on a matchup, a basketball matchup. But uh, I tend to worry about their fatigue. Um, they struggled to beat the Pelicans in their last game, so that is not very um, encouraging. Because as bad as the Spurs are, I still think that they're much better than the Pelicans. Yeah, looking at here, Brooklyn's schedule. They are in just kind of a quick road trip here. They played Tuesday night at New Orleans, going Thursday at San Antonio. Um, so they had the night off and not the longest travel in the world. I'm not even sure you're changing time zones, frankly, at that point. But tough, yeah, you switch one, game. I think. I don't know. Coming, over, coming off of overtime, it's not the best spot in the world, but I am attracted to that number. And I feel like either they win or, or kind of get beat up here. So what do you think about the money line at plus 126? You like the Brooklyn money line? I do. I think it's Brooklyn or pass here. The, the Spurs have been really rough. This is such a short line. I, I just, you know, again, I don't believe in traps, but it's just kind of a funky-looking number. Yeah, I would go with you on Brooklyn there. This isn't my favorite game either because, like I said, I have reasons not to back either team. And not a lot of reasons to back. To, uh, I have reasons not to back, but not a lot of reasons to back. Um, but yeah, if you put me on the spot and you make me make a choice, I think. Uh, I don't know. You don't think this is the night that San Antonio turns it around? It could be. Again, I don't feel great about it. I, I feel kind of, again, we always try to find some sort of angle, and, you know, it's always fun to give out picks, but. I don't feel great about the Brooklyn money line, but if I, you know, gun to my head, which is always the stupidest thing in the world to say, um, <laughs> I, I would be looking at. The, in Philadelphia, uh, it's a lot more plausible, though. Oh come on, spread. That's a low blow. <laughs> That's a low blow. Did Andy? Did Andy send you that? Yeah, he just sent me that in the chat to make sure I, I snuck it. I don't in there. appreciate that. <laughs> I really don't. That's that's offensive. You crossed a line, spread. <laughs> Looking at team totals, we've got 108.5 for the Nets, 110.5 for the Spurs. Yeah, it's, all these numbers look just about right to me. This is a really I think I'm going to go San Antonio here. We're going to go opposite of each other. I don't like the Nets coming off overtime, and honestly, they, they struggled way too much for my liking against the Pelicans team that is pretty objectively terribly. All right, so you're going Spurs. You seem like you're a little more optimistic than I am in general about them. What are your thoughts? Let's do a quick check-in on the Spurs you know, for the next couple weeks? Do you think that they're going to try to put together a run here before the trade deadline um, to see kind of where they stand? Or is it, are they starting to unpack things? Is this more of an audition period as they start to try to unload pieces and reset? I don't know. So this is an interesting team to analyze. Do you think they unload? That's not very Spursian. I don't know how you don't unload. You know, again, the way I always describe 
kind of NBA, NBA fandom and one of the reasons that I was such a big fan of the process and what Sam Hickey did in Philadelphia, it sucks to be in the middle. I spent so many years watching the Sixers fight and fight and fight for an eight seed or a seven seed or a six seed just to get blown the hell out in the first round of the playoffs. And it sucks because you're never going to win the championship. You're just not. You're not in a position to, to acquire players that are good enough to make you, you know, level up like that. And really, unless you're the Rockets and you're going to get incredibly lucky and be able to trade for James Harden, the best way to do it is to go down to the depths spend a year or two picking up draft picks and trying to take advantage of that. Now, the Spurs have a little better infrastructure. I think maybe they could go down, and maybe this isn't the draft, too. There isn't, from what I understand, a ton of talent at that level, and I don't know enough about college basketball to speak about that confidently, but if they have a top three pick, maybe they can get somebody to combine with some of their other younger players and their infrastructure here, but if I'm the Spurs GM... I'm kind of calling random people every, you know, anytime DeMar DeRozan has a good game, anytime Marcus Aldridge look like, looks like he has a pulse, I'm shopping Rudy Gay. Like, let's go. Let's let's start selling off some pieces here. I'm breaking this down and taking a chance to do a reset. Well, I agree with you, and I, I agree with your principles there. I'm just not sure that the Spurs organization believes in you, believe, agrees with you. Right? They've always been pretty slow to adapt to the way that the NBA is going, right? I mean, they don't even want to embrace the three-pointer, it seems like. Um, so I think that asking this organization to embrace tanking is, I, I don't see it. I, I just don't see it. I could I could be wrong. I mean, we're really just guessing on, on what a front office wants to do and how a front office values their assets rather than us. I almost think that we can be a little more pragmatic or rational about it, um, looking at it the way we do. Um, rather than than maybe the team that might be more attached to these pieces than we are. Well, I think you've mischaracterized the Spurs organization. I'll get to that in a second. I do agree with the idea that maybe in general they're more inclined to push for success, given that this might be kind of the end of Popovich's run. But when you really think about the Spurs, they've been incredibly creative and adaptive in their history. You think about those Duncan teams and how they made the switch from being kind of those slow, plotting defensive teams to being one of the first teams that really stretched out, that shot a lot of threes. Um, they were you know, not the first team, obviously. It's probably the Suns, really, um, those D'Antoni Suns. But at the same time, the Spurs were stretching out. I think Popovich learned a lot from those D'Antoni teams. Uh, and you think about the teams that played the Heat, those were modern teams. They had fast offenses. They spread the ball out. There was a ton of pace while they were on the floor, a lot of shooters. And I think what the Spurs did when they were looking at DeRozan, they were looking at LaMarcus Aldridge. They, the Spurs, I think, like to zig when everybody else is zagging. And I think that that was a hard zig. They went, well, the rest of the league seems to be focused on stopping threes and layups, but there's these two guys that are just hyper-effective. And LaMarcus Aldridge at his peak, DeMar DeRozan at their peak, were some of the few guys that you know, didn't quite break analytics, but you started to look at their points per possession and how successful they were in situations shooting two-pointers, and they were really successful. It was a plus-EB decision to have those guys shoot two-pointers. So you combine that with the fact that every other team every night is trying to stop something else, it's a small window of opportunity for them to be successful. Now, it's clearly not working anymore. DeRozan is not the player that he was at his peak. LaMarcus Aldridge just looks worse and worse night in and night out. Um, and I, I do wonder, though, if it's, you know, there's two tough parts of the equation. To make a trade, you have to find somebody to make a trade with. Who the heck wants DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge? Um, but at the same time, now's the time. Anything, literally anything for those guys, because going forward, they just don't have much use. You try to move forward. DeRozan's going to be a free agent this year. Do you want to get involved in trying to resign him? It's a really tough spot for them. Yeah, and while I, I can I will concede the uh, the idea because I, I do understand your point um, with the way that they zigged and zagged and 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 the idea that they can be a progressive organization. Uh, I was mainly just um, going at their basically their refusal to to adapt the whole three point uh, concept that the rest of the NBA seems to have embraced and and how Popovich is actually kind of disdainful towards the way that the league has become. But I would use the DeRozan trade when they added him from Leonard as an idea that they are constantly going to try and win now. I mean, if there's any time to blow it up and just try and acquire young assets, um, it would have been when they dropped Leonard. But instead, they tried to go for an established guy to make the playoffs immediately the you know the year after the trade. So, um, 
The letter trade's tough. I think when you're in a situation where somebody clearly wants to leave, Lord only knows why that happened, but I think it was pretty clear that Kawhi wanted to get out, and there were probably other offers to be had. I think Boston was interested. They weren't willing to give up Jalen Brown, from what I understand. But, you know, DeRozan, Podal, um, I think they got a draft pick as well. You know, not the best package, but what are you going to do? Right. All right, one more game that we do have lines for. Lakers and, and the Bucks play tomorrow. That's going to be a fantastic game. I'm disappointed we don't have a line for that spread. Maybe we'll try to guess. So what, what do you think it's going to be? Let's guess yeah, it. Yeah, there we go. You know, Milwaukee's at home. They have the best rating, the best defense, surprisingly, one of the best offenses. Uh, Anthony Davis, I assume, is going to play. He took the night off in Indiana. I assume to be fresh for this game. Um, that was a pretty great game. I think just about everybody in the chat was on the Pacers there. That was a lot of fun. Really... I wasn't. I was the only one who uh, wasn't. Is that, is that you? You're on Lakers Island. <laughs> I was true. the you proletarian and Mason. I forgot about yesterday. That. You and Mason I got together. I was proletarian. Had yeah. a couple drinks, a couple whiskey and gingers on uh, Lakers yeah. Island. It was a tough spot for them. It's a look-ahead spot to the Bucks tonight. It was a tough referee spot. Um one of the things you got to look at, folks, one of the biggest handicapping angles of all time is taking a look at who's refereeing and what those stats look like. I think that the refereeing crew that was on last night had some sort of outrageous um, success for um, home teams. Yep. Um, so you kind of combine all that, you get the Davis injury. That was a pretty fantastic spot for the Pacers. Now it ended up being maybe a little closer than we thought, but they succeeded at the end. So you have a bounce back spot here for the Lakers. I think that they're really focused. I think that LeBron takes these moments seriously. And I think this is going to be a big night for him. Whether Davis plays or not, I think that LeBron takes a little, a lot of pride in his image, a lot of pride in how people think about him. And I bet he's just the littlest bit, at the very least, just the littlest bit concerned and annoyed that everyone keeps talking about how Giannis is the best player in the league. So I, I'm, I'm excited for the Lakers here. I think they will be underdogs. I, I assume this will be... You know, I think it's going to be Milwaukee minus two. Yeah, it's like two or three. Isn't that kind of standard home, home court? It's... It's a shame that I don't know the answer to that, but it's three. Yeah, the standard home courts I thought was three, kind of just like football, frankly. But um, right. I think you see that Milwaukee minus three. If there's a chance it gets over three, I'm gonna love the Lakers. I mean, if you can get Lakers plus four, and this is this is hard for me to there's say. There's no way it goes that high. Because I the reason I think I think that minus three would be normal, but since the expectation of the public money coming on the Lakers, um, you know that's why I say they'll open it at minus two. Because they know they're going to get Lakers money. That's interesting. So you think, well, it's it's not a normal spot. I mean, the Bucks are at home. It's not like the Bucks aren't a you know a public team at this point. Giannis is one of the most popular players in the league. So yeah, but the Lakers are the public team. Yeah, I don't know, spread. I think that I think there's a pretty good chance that you see a three and maybe even a four here. Again, a lot of numbers point to the Bucks, but I like the spot for the Lakers. I'm, I'll, I'll probably be on the Lakers money line here for just a little bit. Interesting. I kind of agree with you here. Um, so you think the line's going to be two? You know, two probably translates to, I think, like a... Know, kind of a plus one twenty ish, plus one fifteen, yeah, plus one fifteen kind of money line. So, so, are you going to be on the Lakers tomorrow at those at those numbers? What what do you what number are you going to need to bet the Lakers? Maybe that's a better question. Yeah, I think I think any plus money line, I think you take the Lakers here. I think it's going to be really interesting. I think that you know they're talking about you know oh, when are you going to get this guy some help? I think that the the Giannis is going to feel the um, he's going to have some problems when he realizes his number two isn't nearly the player that LeBron's number two is. Well, in that same vein that I talked about, LeBron's really going to step up. I think Giannis feels the same way. I think tomorrow is an opportunity, you know, so if you want to make the case for Milwaukee, you know, I'll play devil's advocate here a little bit since I just can't believe we just had five minutes of Lakers love or however many minutes that was. That's, Oh, that makes I've given up on hating them, dude. I'm just going to bet them and make money. I'm a Philadelphia 76ers fan. The Lakers are a plague upon the universe. <laughs> I'm a Kings fan. <laughs> we can't even come close. This is true. You're not really a fan of a serious basketball team, so it's hard for me to expect <laughs> no. you to have serious basketball hate. And again, you're soft. You're from the West Coast. You don't understand. Oh, you're really, you're really digging into that one tonight, aren't you? When's a, have you ever in your life been outside in like single digits while it was snowing? 
Have you seen snow? Do you know what snow is? Yeah, I mean, we have Lake Tahoe. Oh, yeah, I mean, I go out there. I don't like it, though. I definitely do not like cold weather. <laughs> All right, so devil's advocate, if you're going to make the case to the Bucks here, as much as LeBron is focused on this, I think Giannis understands what it is to be great and what it is to have a legacy. And if he's going to be a great player, tomorrow is a chance for him to put an exclamation point on what he's done so far this year. If he comes out and is beating up LeBron, going by Anthony Davis, if he could somehow dunk on either one of those guys, I mean, the internet's just going to explode. We'll have to shut Twitter It down. is, it is, isn't it? There'll just be too much of that. So I think about that, you know, from a technical standpoint, you're right. I like, I actually like the Lakers team better than the Bucs. Um, obviously, the second player for the Lakers is much better, but you start to look at the third, the fourth, the fifth players. I mean, that Lakers team is a lot deeper than I think I gave them credit for at the beginning of the season. And the Bucks team is just as thin as I thought they were. You, you know, uh, Eric Bledsoe is their third best player. Is that is that right? Yeah, but he's not playing right now. That's true. I mean, he's not even going to be there tomorrow. So um, let me pull up their roster real quick, and let's let's try to figure out. I mean, is George Hill their third best player? I really hope it's not that bad, Spread. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I'd probably give it to Brooke Lopez. Yeah, I guess it's Brooke Lopez. Uh, that would be the honest answer there. You got a lot. There's going to be a lot of Ursan Ilyasova tomorrow night, Spread. That's not a good oh, thing. Oh, your old friend. Ursan Ilyasova. Who do you Handsome like better, guy. Ursan Ilyasova or Dario Saric? Dario. Dario's, Dario, okay. Dario makes at least one pass a week that you might remember for the rest of your life. He okay. is just a truly gifted passer. He's pretty incredible. Ilyasova's a nice, solid bench player. He does a lot of nice things, but he's um, he's not somebody you want on your team on the floor in, in high-pressure, high-leverage minutes. Okay. So I think I'm with you. I think we'll have Lakers tomorrow. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit if the line pops and it's something goofy. But if we get a chance at Lakers plus 110, plus 120, God God willing, plus 130, that'll be a play. Yeah, no, I think any plus money plays Lakers. All right, the last game to talk about probably, um, well, I guess Lakers. This is our favorite. What's going to be the better game for you, Lakers, Bucks, or Houston Clippers? This one, I think it's way more fascinating because this one is a serious Western Conference playoff preview, right? I mean, are you implying significant that, that, chance. Are you implying that Bucks lakers isn't a potential finals preview? I mean, it is, and that's how it's going to get billed. But the chances of me seeing Rockets-Clippers in the Western Conference playoffs, to me, are much higher than the chances of the Bucks lakers final. I'm gonna. I'm still going Bucks Lakers. I still think a game that involves Giannis, LeBron, and Anthony Davis um, okay. is going to be more fascinating. But the Rockets Clippers is going to be fantastic. I assume that we'll yeah. see Kawhi, and, we'll see Paul George, we'll see everybody from the Rockets. This should be a lot of fun. Yeah, and from a matchup perspective, isn't this great? So how are they going to do it? Right? Are they going to move Beverly on Westbrook and just let uh, Leonard or George just go to town on Harden, or are they going to let Beverly toil away on Harden and uh, have their wings take turns? Uh, on on Westbrook and kind of get a break. How do you think that they attack this? So if I am setting up the defense tomorrow, I'm going to put Beverly on Harden so that Beverly's okay. job essentially is to annoy the crap out of him down the floor. And what that also does is it puts Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on guys that are likely to screen for Harden. So when mm-hmm. you get that switch, you have either of those guys on the other side of that switch. Now that's good thinking. I like that. That's kind of how I would try to organize these things. So... Um, looking at the Rockets roster, you know, the guys that are going to be setting screens like that, um, you know, I think I'm putting one of them maybe even on P.J. Tucker, honestly, because um, I think there's a good chance you're going to see him moving around a lot. I think you try to put one of them on Westbrook. I know sometimes they try to do kind of some goofy stuff like that. But at the same time, I don't know if I want to waste a guy like that on Westbrook. And um, I know we spent a lot of time kind of beating him up, but if there's, you know, you look at this Rockets roster, I want the ball in Westbrook's hands. I want to do whatever I can to get it out of Harden's hands. So you start with Beverly on him, and Beverly just hounds him all the way up the floor. I want Beverly on top of him as soon as he catches the ball, when it's inbounded, just following him, pushing him. I want Beverly to foul out. If Beverly doesn't foul out, he didn't do a great job. And then, you know, you, you put George, you put Harden, and I think you try to get a little creative with that. You know, obviously you can't put him on Capella probably. Maybe you can, I don't know. 
what what's keeping you from putting one of those guys on Capella so when you get that pick and roll, you know that you have Leonard or George that's going to be in front of Harden, and you, know, you still have a big guy that can rotate over the back and, and help out with that pick and roll. The only reason I don't like that is it makes it just too easy for the lob on the roll. Does Capella. it, though? Because if your big man actually isn't guarding Capella, he has a chance to be the one there rotating over and covering that So up. you want Harrell or Zubak to rotate over? I think that's going to be a rough spot for the Clippers, too. Because Harrell, you know what's funny is I like his defense, but this is where these numbers and stuff are good because what you see and what you think aren't always true. And when you look at the actual defensive metrics for Harrell, he was much worse when I looked him up than I actually expected and what my eye test showed me. So it made me think that he's not as good as I consider him. And I think Zubak's going to have a lot of problems with Harrell, with Capella, I mean. I think you're right, and that's... That's one of the reasons, you know, I don't know if that would be my base defensive setup, but I'm trying that. I'm, I think now is the time, you know, once you get to the playoffs, things are going to be a little tighter. I think for 10 or f- even 15 minutes tomorrow night, I'm going to try some goofy stuff. You know, put either George or Leonard on Capella, let Zubach maybe guard Tucker or something like that, knowing that you're going to end up switching anyway. You know, without Eric Gordon on the floor, that makes things a lot easier. You know, get some Ben Macklemore minutes and stuff like that. But uh, I'm going to try some creative stuff like that because at the end of the day, the, the Rockets are all about, for me, Harden being successful. So you got to try to do everything you can to disrupt him. So you put Beverly in a position to do what he's great at, be physical, be annoying, be pesky, knowing that once he gets switched off, he's good enough to cover up on some of the other guys. And if you do try something creative like George or Kawhi Leonard on Capella, you just kind of have Zubac say, you know what, uh, well, you're going to abandon whoever you're guarding. Your goal is to stop that pick and roll. Or maybe you just live with it. Maybe you just live with that lob pass knowing that, you know, two's less than three. Interesting. So you're not taking advantage of the uh, Westbrook-Beverly rivalry? I don't think so. I think that there's going to be plenty of that anyway. I think that that's a distraction. Did you remember that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I thought that was pretty funny where he said he's got you all. Westbrook said he's got you all fooled. All he does is run around. He doesn't really actually cover anybody. And then you had Beverly doing the fake Westbrook shot on the sideline. Yeah. There's going to be some sort of incident tomorrow. So I think that's more of a distraction than it is anything else. And I'm trying to keep Beverly away from that because I don't want him focused on that. I want him focused on James Harden. Okay. Well, I, I like your idea. I think you've got a real good idea. And um, maybe Brett Brown can bring you in to drop some defensive sets as well because you seem to have a pretty good idea on this. That's not funny. You're being mean tonight. (laughs) You really are. I feel like you're going after me. All right, let's take a look at the line. The Clippers are minus. It's the cold weather here. It's it's only 40 degrees outside. Is that what it is? You're finally toughening up? It's bugging me. It's bugging me. Oh, man. All right. Clippers are minus five and a half. It looks like the total at 232. Kind of a big spread. Clippers minus five and a half. Do you want to just take the over and just chill? I think you might need overtime for that. Really? I think it's going to feel like a playoff game. I think when you have two teams like this that are really looking forward to each other, that I think are thinking about this game, they're going to come in with serious plans on the defensive end. Um, Mm -hmm. They're going to be trying their best. I think this game is going to slow up a little bit. And I think actually the play is probably a second half under, especially if the score is close. Because if the score is yeah. close going into the second half, this game is going to grind to a halt. And I think it's going to become pretty ugly. But I, I lean under that 232. It looks like there's even some 233s floating around. Okay. I, you've got me sold on under. Now, which way are you leaning for the side? Five is five's kind of a big number. I don't know if I want to take five with it the is, Rockets. Huh? It's tough because, you know, the funny part about five is, and this sounds dumb because it's obviously true, it's not three and it's not six. (laughs) You know, if it was six, I'd like the Rockets. If it was three, I'd like the Clippers. But it's like in that weird middle spot where if you have the Clippers, you know, one late bucket by the Rockets and and you get backdoored or you have the Rockets and now the Clippers are making free throws and you're just miserable. I don't know. The five makes me uncomfortable. So it, it seems to me, listening to you, that you lean Clippers here and you think that they win the game outright? I do. I, I think that the Clippers are going to come out. They're going to play this game seriously. I think they're definitely the better team. I think they are more versatile, obviously much better defensively, and I think maybe not as good offensively, but more than an, enough 
capability on that roster offensively to score points. Okay, I'm laying the five and a half in. All right, I'm not. I'm not as worried about that stuff as you are. I think that if they win, they win decisively. I think if it's one of those cases where if you were to say that you liked Houston plus the points, I would tell you to take the money line. So I, I think that the chances that this falls within the number are lower uh, than usual just due to the intensity of the game and the fact that um, you will get those extra fouls in the last 30, 40 seconds. So do you want to take the what? minus five? You're trying to sell to six. I'm seeing five minus ten. My guess is you can probably get minus six even money. Um, Let's not sell tonight. No, we're not selling tonight. We had a great success selling yeah. the other night. We somehow went two and two and didn't lose any money. I know, but I think this is the spot. I think that every, you know, just like English, right? When you learn the rules of grammar, you can know when to break them in your writing. I think this is one of the times where we are breaking up. We are going to break our rule. The Rockets are a high-scoring team. And, um, you know, without going past the minus 110, 52.4% threshold, we will, I think that we're better off there. I say we stick at minus five. All right. They're not a ton of strong plays for us tonight, Spread. Honestly, the only thing I think we really tried to give out here was Lakers at plus 110 or better. Yeah. So That's you, fine. What, what, you know what? Discretion's a better part of valor. This is a long NBA season. And you know what's crazy? You know we're a third of the way through the season? Yeah, we're a third of the way through the season. I know it's long, but it happens faster than people remember. It does, and it's so wild because I remember as like a casual fan, you know, before I really started capping NBA, I didn't even pay attention until Christmas. Well, you look at, you know, they end up taking days off. You've obviously got the all-star break. Um, yeah. Once you get to the NFL playoffs, the schedule slows down a little bit. I don't think there's any NBA games on the day of the Super Bowl, of course. So you, I think there's one at noon. Sometimes. They run games before the Super Bowl starts, noon for my time. But you lose some days due to things like that. So um, the, season, the season moves a lot quicker at the earliest stages than people give it credit for, especially since we started earlier. So... All right, we're going to go a full unit on the Lakers, plus 110 or better. Do we want to sprinkle any half units? Um, what were we looking at here? I mean, Utah, Atlanta. I say we lay off the Utah game altogether, yeah, I and agree. I say we go uh, Clippers minus five, lay the full 110. We're juicing it up. We put some pulp in yours. I'm not going to have any pulp <laughs> in mine. And uh, I like that. That's a good idea. All right, so we'll go full unit on the Lakers, right. plus 110 or better. You know, again, spreads expecting something in the 115, 120 neighborhood. I think we might get lucky and see a plus 125 or something like that. Um, and then we'll go half a unit on the Clippers, minus 110 at minus 5. All right. Wonderful. All right, spread. I think that was just about all we had to talk about. Yeah, we went a little long tonight, so I say we just shelve buy or, shel buy or sell for next week. I think we do. We've covered just about all of it. So thank you, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, please reach out to us on Twitter. We'd appreciate a follow on the podcast account at Network Pod. Of course, we'll try to be doing some scopes. We just broke the games down for Thursday, so we may skip our normal Thursday scope spread, but we'll see how things go. If there's a goofy line on that Lakers game, maybe we'll take a break and, and check in a little bit or do something on Friday or Saturday. But... Yeah, I say we shoot for Friday and break down one of those monster cards. All right, I like that idea. We're by like the 12th game, we're like, ah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Appreciate everything. Please reach out to us. You can find us on Twitter. We love the conversations. Appreciate to everybody that's reached out in the past and continues to be interactive. Have a great week, everybody. Good luck in all your wagers. <laughs>